Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for December 12th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. This show sucks. This show is, uh, I just give up, man. I, I, I really do. I, I give up on Raw for the rest of the year. I'm not even, listen, I'm not even going to make a big deal about what we've seen in the past several weeks. I'm not going to make a big deal about what we saw tonight. I, I mean, it just sucks. Three hours is just, it's becoming a little bit more apparent that the three hours of Monday Night Raw is absolutely taxing and draining on the viewer. And WWE realizes that Triple H out of everybody, realizes that this show should be two hours. I don't know whose decision it is. I don't know if it's uh, Jolly Old St. Nick, Nick Khan. I don't know if it's USA Network. I don't know if it's a mixture of both parties. This show should not be three hours. On no planet should this show be three hours. They are booking it as if it was two hours, and we're getting a lot of filler nonsense in between to pretty much stretch it to three hours, and that is becoming painfully more obvious as the weeks go on as we round out 2022. This was not a good show tonight. There were things that advanced some storylines, but the storylines that were advanced, do you care about them? I know I don't. I don't care about anything that's happening on this show, and that is a very, very bad feeling. For a viewer, from a point of view, from the viewer's standpoint, that's a, that's a bad feeling. The only thing I legitimately care about on this show are the bloodline. And they're not even a part of this fucking show. They're on SmackDown. Every time Sami Zayn comes out, every time the Usos come out, I watch. It's basically it. Austin Theory's been great. He wasn't even on the show tonight. The Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley shit, I'm over it. The women's division, I'm over it. Everything just sucks coming out of that women's division. None of it is interesting. Rhea Ripley's great. Asuka, they're doing something with Asuka as far as the character change is concerned. We don't know if she's going to be a evil heel. We don't know if she's going to be a more physical baby face. We don't know. But she came out without the face paint tonight. It was bare Asuka. That's exciting to me. So that means WWE Triple H has plans for Asuka. We may be going back to seeing Asuka the way we loved her in NXT. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But if you missed tonight's show, you missed absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Let's start at the top. Everybody was going crazy. Oh, oh my God. Alexa Bliss, right? Everybody's going crazy about Alexa Bliss. She turned uh, 
evil for a couple of seconds on Bianca Belair as she beat Bailey to become the number one contender for the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. If you have Alexa Bliss challenging uh, your champion on Monday Night Raw, your women's division is floating up Shit's Creek legitimately. Not a good look. Alexa Bliss is one of the worst female professional wrestlers on the roster, and tonight proved it. I don't even know why the fuck she's even there if the performances that we are going to get are going to be this bad. The match completely stunk up the joint, and it got worse as the match went on. It's almost as if she doesn't want to be there. Damage control is another fucking thing on this show I can't stand. They are dead to rights. Nobody gives a fuck about them. Nobody takes them serious. So you mix both parties there. You mix Bailey and Alexa Bliss. You got one group that doesn't mean jack shit because they're a bunch of fucking losers. And then you got Alexa Bliss who can't fucking wrestle. What a recipe for disaster, huh? It was at the end of the match where everybody was like, oh, oh, oh I got away. Alexa Bliss. <laughs> Turning heel. I'm looking at this fucking go down. And I'm saying to myself, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Bianca Belair is there. She extends a hand. Alexa Bliss extends a hand. And then she pulls it back. And then she goes in for a hug. All the geeks online wishing it was them. She goes in for a hug. She goes and delivers potentially a Sister Abigail. How ridiculous. Did the sister Abigail look? Bianca Belair wasn't kicked in the gut. She wasn't slapped in the face. She wasn't punched. She got sister Abigail applied. The beginning phases of sister Abigail on her and Bianca Belair is like, (laughs) just laying there. And then she looks up at her like, oh my God, what are you doing? Are you fucking kidding? There was absolutely no struggle from Bianca Belair to get out of what Bianca Belair should know What was coming? What an awful, awful, awful fucking segment, man. I I don't really get it. I I don't really understand how you geeks are in love with this shit. We're going right back to what was one of the worst versions of Alexa Bliss. The only thing that I liked about Alexa Bliss with Bray Wyatt was the very beginning stages where it was almost as if he was courting her in this weird, sick love angle. That was it. As soon as Alexa Bliss got the doll and started spitting out black goo and she had these supernatural powers, forget about it, man. That shit went right down the fucking toilet with my Chipotle yesterday that I had for dinner. Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. Everybody fucking jumping for joy, all the geeks, all the check marks. (laughs) Alexa Bliss, right? How many fucking people out there are excited about this, man? All because you've seen a fuck... I'm going to fucking reveal some truth for you guys, man. You're not going to like what I have to say? Go take a fucking walk, man. It's my show. You want to talk about what you like? Go start your own fucking show. I'm going to fucking let you in on a little something. This shit sucks! The last fucking time we saw it, it sucked! What do you think is going to happen this time around? You're all for supernatural shit, right? We just got done with NXT Deadline and Alba Fire against a fucking witch in Isla Dawn. The match ended because Isla Dawn cursed the referee and he started spitting up black goo. If you want supernatural fucking elements to your wrestling matches on WWE television, go watch something else, man. That shit has no fucking business and no place on the show. 
All because a fucking logo flashed on the screen. Alexa Bliss got evil for about 10 seconds, snapped herself out of it, and you're all going fucking crazy, right? Oh my God, a logo. Oh my God, how scary. Now she's going to act evil because she's got Bray Wyatt's logo flashing on the fucking screen. Give me a fucking break. Holy fucking shit. Trash. Trash. I'm not excited about that at all. Now, if you ask me, JD, do you want to see Alexa Bliss go here? Heel? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see Alexa Bliss go back to being the fucking snobby bitch heel that she was. She actually played that role pretty damn fucking good. You're already starting to see supernatural elements of the old character brought back. You want to see her aligned with Bray Wyatt? I know I don't. I don't want to see Alexa Bliss aligned with Bray Wyatt. This shit was a fucking failure. Give me a break with this shit. Supernatural elements, get them out. Get them out. In the trash, for recycling tomorrow, get them out. Awful. The whole segment sucked. The match sucked. Bianca looked like a fucking geek. Laying there in the hold. No struggle at all to get out. Just looking up at her. What are you doing? No, she was going to fucking make out with you right in the middle of the ring. What the fuck you think she's going to do? Awful, 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 awful. Bobby Lashley, he got fired on Monday Night Raw tonight. Not legitimately, he got kayfabe fired by Adam Pearce because he accidentally elbowed a referee thinking he was Seth Rollins. So now Bobby Lashley's fired, and I don't know where they're going with this, but at least it's somewhat intriguing. At least it's somewhat interesting, man. We don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know if the Hurt Business is getting back together. We don't know if this is going to lead to Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. We don't really know. But Bobby Lashley kayfabe fired by WWE on tonight's Monday Night Raw after he loses a number one contenders match against Seth Rollins for the United States Championship. At least it's something. At least it's something. We needed a little something to hang our hat on tonight. And that was the big cliffhanger at the end of the show. You had to wait three hours to get to the fucking end of the show to get something remotely interesting. And then Matt Riddle. We'll talk about Matt Riddle at the top. And Matt Riddle, the real reason why he was taken off TV for approximately six weeks, has now been revealed. Matt Riddle has now entered drug rehab. And it's a sad situation, to be quite honest with you. I wish him nothing but the best, and we will go over that tonight right at the top. But I want to thank you guys for joining me here on Off the Script, man. Legitimately, nothing happened on this show worthwhile. Nothing. I'd much rather be asleep or on my PlayStation 5 grinding Destiny's new season. Don't care. I'm getting my PC back tomorrow, man. Finally, after a fucking week, hard drive was shot. After a year, I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm gonna I'm gonna place the blame on a faulty manufacturer defect. Two terabyte fucking Samsung hard drive. Getting it back tomorrow. Gotta go pick it up. We'll be back in business legitimately the right way instead of on my fucking laptop, even though I got a beast of a laptop. But my computer's back and pretty much gonna be in the venue. 
setting the whole thing up again because my my hard drive had to be completely wiped. Like a dumbass, I didn't bank it back anything up because I didn't expect anything to fucking go dead after a year. But we're back in business. We're back in business. Also, I'm going to need you guys in the venue, man. If you're live here tonight, we got 2,000 deep already in the venue. People are still coming on in, man. We got happy hour specials. We got the best gastro gastro bar food in town. Gastro pub, right? Come on in, man. Sit down, order a drink, get yourself some gourmet fucking mozzarella sticks from Titus. The best in town. I'm going to need you guys to hit that thumbs up, man. We need 1,000 likes minimum. Minimum. No questions asked. So please hit that thumbs up, man. It helps me out tremendously when you do that. And it only takes a few seconds. So hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes tonight on the podcast. Also, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, as always, with our cold beverages. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Fulfill the nice little Cameo today. Appreciate you guys reaching out to me on Cameo. Always love reaching out and doing a little bit extra for my fans. All my social media links are down below in the description. Go check out all the other videos on the channel. We'll be doing an extra tomorrow, man. We got some major news on a Monday. We got news on Sasha Banks. We got news on a potential Brock Lesnar match for WrestleMania. Unbelievable match at WrestleMania. Possibly in the works. We'll talk about that tomorrow. So go check all that stuff out. We were live last night for episode 456. Go check it out, man. It's all on the homepage right now. And tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped for the holiday season, man. Your grandpa, your father, your best friend. Could be your brother. Go get some Manscaped this holiday season, man. The holidays came early. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. We'll talk about my great friends over at Manscaped. They got a nice little Christmas deal going on. Manscaped.com, script 20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. I want to thank them for sponsoring the show this holiday season right here on OTS. I want to talk about the Matt Riddle situation, man. It's a little little serious, to be quite honest with you. It's not, uh, you know, a uh, bruised larynx or whatever the fuck WWE was giving you on television. He's legitimately out for six weeks, and WWE said due to the attack by Solo Sokoa on Raw, Matt Riddle is expected to be out for six weeks. That was the kayfabe reason that they gave you. But we won't be seeing Matt Riddle on television for the next six weeks, not because of a Solo Sokoa attack, but the real reason that Matt Riddle has been written off TV by WWE is because Matt Riddle has had to enter rehab. Now, over the summer, WWE had originally planned for Matt Riddle to have a match at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins. This is very fresh on the mind still because that was a very good feud between both of those guys. It was awesome. The match was delayed at SummerSlam, pushed back to Clash at the Castle. It was reported at the time that the reason for the change 
And the reason why it did not happen at SummerSlam was because of a new creative direction. Now that now that we know this is not the plan or what the true true story is, this was all a cover-up. It was not a new creative direction. Matt Riddle had failed a drug test, and they pushed the match back to take place at Clash of the Castle in hopes that he would clean himself up. Sources have told Bodyslam.net that the reason for pushing back the match was because Matt Riddle failed a drug test leading up to SummerSlam. This was also the last test under the Vince McMahon era. With Vince no longer in charge, a new creative direction was taken regarding Riddle. And his big match against Rollins was postponed until Clash of the Castle. Additionally, I was told, says Bodyslam.net, that the company informed Riddle at the time that another failed drug test would result in a rehab stint or termination. This situation was similar to what happened with Jeff Hardy previously before he jumped ship to AEW. This leads us to Matt Riddle's most recent six-week television write-off. Bodyslam.net was able to confirm that the reason that WWE wrote Riddle off of television is because he has failed another drug test and will be sent to rehab. The belief going around is that he has already entered treatment or will be going in soon as most programs run for 30 days and he would need to be finished in time for his return in six weeks. Bodyslam.net did ask for clarification on what exactly came up on the failed drug test, but it should be noted that WWE no longer tests for marijuana. I'll leave it up to you guys as I will not speculate because it's not my part to do so. This is a sad situation, man. This is a sad situation. Before anybody starts asking, why would he throw what is a great WWE stint and a great position in the company away? We don't know what that man is dealing with. We don't know what type of vices that man has as he's had a very tumultuous year in WWE. His wife left him. Sexual allegations, not once, but twice against Matt Riddle. Candy Cartwright was one of them. Some other lady came out that he was dating, I guess. I don't know if she was a porn star or not. I don't know. Matt Riddle has had a bad string of luck on social media with people trying to cancel him and get him actively removed from his current position in WWE, or at least trying to bring him down. Nobody knows what the man is going through. I would never promote dealing with your issues personally by going to drugs or alcohol or anything like that, but these things exist, and they're evil. And Matt Riddle, again, we don't know what he's going through. We don't know where his state of mind is. We don't know what he's mentally going through. It's tough to go through a divorce, to go through what he's gone through online with the speaking out movement and then people trying to cancel him and get rid of him, his kids' situation. They all brought that type of that, that type of stuff to television. Seth Rollins even mentioned his wife doesn't want anything to do with him. He's divorced. His kids don't want nothing to do with him. He doesn't see his kids anymore. That was all legit. That was all a shoot. Matt Riddle's not trying to actively throw this shit away. He just can't get it under control to a point where he's risking his position in the company. The way I see it, Matt Riddle is, from what I hear and from what I could see, what you see on television, fun-loving guy, genuine, you know, out there, he seems like a nice guy. And he is, right now, or was, I should say, in a position to 
do good things, big things on WWE television. The run with Randy Orton was tremendous, right? You know, RK Bro was great. They were the best thing about Monday Night Raw. They basically held Monday Night Raw on their back for months. And he was having the time of his life. And I don't want to insinuate on what's going on, but it's not marijuana. It's either one of two things. It's either it's either a illegal substance. He doesn't look like he's on the juice. You know, it comes in all shapes and sizes. He may be on the juice, he may not be. I have no fucking idea what these people are pumping into their bodies, but I don't take him for someone to, to be on the juice. And hard drugs. Maybe they found something in his system that absolutely should not be there, and I will not speculate on what that is, man. Everybody has their own ex- extracurricular activities. But Matt Riddle needs to get his head straight. He needs to get his head straight, and he needs to focus on what is the most important thing in his professional career right now, and that is his standing with WWE. I don't know what was going through his head, but from an outsider's perspective looking in, he felt like, okay, they're not going to zing me for the marijuana. Let me see if I could get away with something else. And then he got drug tested. He got drug tested once before SummerSlam. He got caught. They took him off television. Well, they pushed his match back, rather, with Seth Rollins. Then he got caught again. Maybe he thought he was invincible. Maybe he thought, well, I'm in a good position. They can't really get rid of me. Why would they get rid of me? Nobody is immune to WWE's drug testing outside of the usual suspects, right? They're not going to go and test the elite names. Matt Riddle is on the... Bottom half of the totem pole when it comes to that type of thing. Matt Riddle would absolutely be used as an example. Don't fuck up like this guy. You will get the same fate. Clean yourself up or get fired. And I hope he gets right. I don't think he's actively trying to throw his career away. Why would he do that? He has no control over that. He's got a serious fucking problem. He needs help to get that shit under control. And I'm glad that he's going to get help. They basically forced him to go get help. I don't know if he was going to get help on his own, but the fact that WWE had to step in, I look at it as a serious situation. And I hope he gets himself cleaned up. That's a terrible position to put yourself in. Matt Riddle, honestly, I'm going to try and look at this as positively as I can. Yes, it may sound bad. Yes, it may look bad. WWE right now... Matt Riddle wasn't really doing much of anything anyway. He's a big name, but he wasn't really a factor on the show. He absolutely became a non-factor after the feud with Seth Rollins. He wasn't really doing much of anything, and I've criticized it week after week after week. He went from a hot, hot feud with Seth Rollins to feuding with Elias. That's not really what I call advancement. He went from this, and he went to the lowest you can get. I don't know if that was done by design. I don't know if that was done on purpose. I I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, I'm trying to look at this positively. Matt Riddle being taken off television for six weeks may come as a blessing to Matt Riddle. He wasn't going anywhere, and he wasn't going anywhere fast. The fact that he's off television now could look as good as anything. A hard reset, get back, get in shape, get your mind right, get clean, come back with rejuvenated sense of focus, get back to television. 
The fans were getting sick and tired of him anyway. How many fucking people online were like, oh, this guy's cringe. Oh, Matt Riddle's playing the bongos. Oh, another marijuana joke. It's the same fucking shit every single week. Matt Riddle was here, and then he just slid down the fucking ladder to a point of basically nothing. I don't want Matt Riddle off television, but if Matt Riddle's getting clean and Matt Riddle's going to be out of, out of sight for the fan base, I think that could be looked at, looked at as a good thing. He comes back and we start fresh. He should be a major player. He should be a serious player. And he's now going to be fighting behind the fucking curve here. WWE is not going to trust Matt Riddle. When you go out and do something like this, your trust with the company, no matter how much they like you, no matter how much you make them laugh, no matter how much of a great talent you are, Matt Riddle's trust with the company now has diminished greatly. This is not a first-time offense. This is now a second-time offense. He did it once. They caught him. He thought he was impervious. He thought he was immune. He got caught again. Now you're in a situation where they're not going to look at you, give you the ball that we all know you're good enough to carry. And now he's going to fight behind the fucking eight ball here and he's got to gain the trust of management again. Because all they're thinking is, we like this guy. We want to do something with him. We see him as a major player for the future of this company, but he can't be trusted. How long is he going to have to go now to a point where he has to remain clean and focused to get Triple H and management to once again trust him with that ball? I don't know. He fucked up. He fucked up. I don't know who he's mingling with. I don't know where he's mentally, you know, a divorce and not seeing your kids and being single and on the prowl and living on the road. You know, there's a lot of temptation, a lot of temptation. I'm assuming there is drugs, alcohol, women nightly coming up to you, knowing who you are, bad influences he may be mingling with at the end of the night. I don't know. It's not a good look. You're in the WWE and you represent the company. Every single person in that locker room is a walking PR billboard. He's got to remain straight and focused. Anything that happens to him is a bad look on the company, and the company does not want to look bad. If you make them look bad, swift judgment will be coming his way. And luckily, he wasn't fired here. Luckily. I wish nothing but the best for Matt Riddle. Nothing. And I don't want to see someone with uber potential go down this bad path where... It'll be too late for him to return and come back from. I wish him nothing but the best, and I seriously hope he gets clean. The other big story, like I said, was Bobby Lashley. We'll talk about that at the end, and then Alexa Bliss. Outside that, there was nothing else on this show. Nothing else on this show that really gave me a sense of, oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about this on the post show. Nothing. Which is why we'll get right into the top of the show and WWE started to show off with Alexa Bliss and Bayley. This was a number one contenders match. Winner of this match goes on to wrestle Bianca Belair, I'm assuming, at the Royal Rumble. I think this would be a good spot for Alexa Bliss to go into the Royal Rumble and wrestle Bianca Belair, as I do think Alexa Bliss is going to be more of a... I don't want to say a weak opponent because I think we all know that this is a weak matchup. It's more of a, 
hey, let's throw her out there just to get Bianca into the next phase of WrestleMania season. That's all this is. This was not good. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bailey works with some people tremendously. She worked with Bianca, great. There are some people on this roster that just do not mesh well, and these two do not mesh well at all. And you're wondering why Sasha Banks may be heading towards a New Japan pro wrestling stint or an AEW stint. Mercedes is probably watching this shit and saying, I'm going to come back to this. I've done this. I've been there, done that. And I'm going to go out and make a fucking name for myself. And 2023 is going to be the year of Mercedes. She's going to go back to WWE to do what? Have forgettable matches with Alexa Bliss? At that point, I don't blame Sasha Banks for wanting to go and venture off and do something new. This match was terrible. This match was absolutely awful. It's like both women had four left feet. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing in there. Alexa Bliss botched more times than I count. How can anybody look at this and be proud of that performance? We got Alexa Bliss winning this match. Bailey flung Bliss into a turnbuckle before hitting a sunset flip powerbomb into the middle turnbuckle for two. Bailey also hit Bailey to belly on Alexa for another two count. Bailey removed the middle turnbuckle in frustration. She wanted to gain the advantage here by using nefarious means. Bianca Belair, who I hate when they do this. It's so fucking lame and stereotypical. The champion has to be sitting out by ringside watching the match. Who cares? What do you need to see there that you can't see by sitting in the fucking locker room? This is a match between Bailey and Alexa Bliss. Let them go out there and battle for who the best one is to wrestle you. No, but Bianca Belair is out there, and Bailey tries to take the turnbuckle off the middle rope. Bianca Belair stops her. She got thwarted in that attempt. She got into an argument with Bailey, who started to show the referee about the turnbuckle. Bliss knocked down Bailey and climbs to the top rope, almost slipped off the top rope, attempting twisted Bliss. She finally got her footing. One, two, three, and that was it. This match was a fucking train wreck. Train wreck. Sloppy, weak, offense looked terrible. Alexa Bliss botched here, botched there. Looks like she didn't want to take a bump. Why the fuck is she even there? Why? After the match was over, 
This is what pissed me off even more because I tweeted, this match sucks, and this shit was fucking lame. I got people defending this shit on my fucking timeline. I'm sorry, I didn't ask for your fucking opinion. You don't like mine? Go listen to somebody else. Tweet sunshine and fucking uh, rainbows on social media. It's not what you're going to get from me. When it's good, it's good. I'll let you know. When it's bad, I'll fucking let you know. When it's this, I'm going to have my fucking fun. Bliss was emotional after the match. Bianca gets into the ring. She had her belt on her shoulder. She offered a handshake. Alexa Bliss offered a handshake, pulled her hand away. Went in for a hug instead. Bliss then took Bianca and put her in position for a sister Abigail. She had this evil face looking into the hard camera. Alexa Bliss, like I said, did not kick, did not punch, did not slap Bianca Belair. No offense was done to Bianca Belair. She takes Bianca into a sister Abigail transition and Bianca is just Sitting there in the fucking move. No struggle to get out of the move. While I know Bianca knows she was in a predicament where Alexa Bliss was about to do something bad. This looked fucking lame. Bianca looks up at Alexa. What are you doing, bitch? Alexa Bliss lets her go. She says, I'm sorry. And then she scurries off. All the while, when the Sister Abigail was about to be done, a logo of Bray Wyatt popped up on the Titantron and flashed very rapidly. I don't know why you guys would expect me, of all fucking people, to sit here and tell you that this was good, this was cool, you're excited about it, or I'm excited about it. I don't give a fuck. You can be excited about it. Go have fun. You can be fucking thrilled and over the moon about it, man. Go tweet about it. Go talk about it at school. Go fucking tell your mother tomorrow morning when she's packing your lunch for fucking school and getting you ready to go on the cheese bus as she packs you some fucking uh, juicy fruit and some fruit roll-up and she makes you a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich and she, she puts a little sun-kissed in your fucking lunchbox and she scurries you off to the fucking school bus while she lays on the fucking couch breathing a sigh of relief. Ah! My demon child is gone! For eight hours. Go ahead. This shit is fucking lame. Lame. I don't know how anybody here in this chat could sit here and look at me thinking that I'm going to like supernatural shit. Honestly. I hate it. I hate it. The only thing supernatural, and it wasn't even supernatural... Just Chris Jericho being Chris Jericho. The only thing that I liked was Chris Jericho being the wizard. Chris Jericho throwing fireballs at people's faces. At least he made it realistic. We see Chris Angel. We see David Blaine do fucking fire, right? They throw fireballs. They're fucking magicians, right? He's the wizard. He's greater than Gandalf the Great, Gandalf the White, Saruman. He is the wizard. We didn't have lighting fixtures falling down on anybody. We didn't have black goo shooting out of anybody's mouth. Alexa Bliss sees a fucking logo. Possessed. Alexa Bliss is possessed. Oh my God, the Bray Wyatt logo. And she's possessed. I am now evil. (laughs) Give me a fucking break. Absolutely fucking childish garbage. Garbage. 
Alexa Bliss should be going heel. Yes. After this performance, I don't even want to see her on television. She adds nothing to the division. Basically, what we saw here was heel turn, title match for the Royal Rumble more than likely, and Alexa Bliss is going to make the priority about her heel turn, and then boom, is she going to be aligned with Bray Wyatt? I fucking hope not, because Alexa Bliss involved with Bray Wyatt's going to ruin anything that's going on with Bray Wyatt. Alexa Bliss should be heel, but not this type of heel, not the black goo Alexa Bliss, not the doll Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss needs to be healed and go back to what she did best, and that is be a snobby fucking bitch. The goddess Alexa Bliss. At least at that point, she played her role perfectly. This is not it. I hate this shit. Supernatural elements in WWE, they happen far too often for my liking. Get them out. Shit is lame. We're adults watching a fucking pro wrestling show, scripted. I don't want to see fucking supernatural elements. It was cool when The Undertaker was being beat by fucking 20 men in the 1994 Royal Rumble, and the power of the urn was powering The Undertaker to bury Yokozuna, and then all of a sudden, Bam Bam Bigelow opens the fucking urn, and fucking purple mist comes out of it, and then the next thing you know, he's fucking being resurrected into the heavens. That was cool because we were children. Now, I'm 40 years old, more gray in my beard than I had last week, and this shit is fucking lame. Awful. Awful. Kevin Patrick, another guy who's fucking ruining Monday Night Raw. This is your weekly Kevin Patrick sucks on the podcast. Get rid of him. Don't want to have anybody actually do play-by-play commentary on the show? I'd rather hear Corey Graves all by himself do the fucking show than Kevin Patrick. It's going to become, uh, it's going to become a thing where I have to mute the fucking commentary because he's so terrible. I wish WWE would give us that option. Can we mute him on television while, hear, while hearing the background noise, the fucking indifference from the crowd every week? Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves shot it to Byron Saxon backstage. Chad Gable and Otis arrived at the arena. Saxon asked them about their plan to uh, (laughs) spoil Kurt Angle's birthday celebration, but they were left embarrassed. Gable did not like Byron Saxon's milk puns. They aren't punny, he said. He said, Angle is a dinosaur who isn't credible enough to be in the ring with them anymore. He complained that Otis has been trying to get milk out of his beard all weekend. AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Mia Yim showed up. They all laughed at Gable. Gable called Styles a fossil himself. Now, I don't think that's legit. AJ a fossil? No way. He said people talk about how good he used to be, but if you were to step in the ring with him, he'd give him a lesson Style says he should put on his gear so they can go wrestle later in the ring. But the gear, that doesn't smell like cottage cheese, he said. Gallows called them both nerds. Gable acted disgusted by the smell of Otis's beard, which apparently they believe Otis didn't shower after Friday and still has milk residue and the scent of sour milk in his beard. Carl Anderson was not on the show. He was actually... uh, not featured because he is in Japan. He's getting ready for a never-open-weight championship match with New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
defending that title, I believe, against Hikuleo of the Bullet Club. So we will see what happens there. We got a vignette on Austin Theory. What happened to him at Survivor Series? He won the United States Championship. They plugged the United States title match. Winner obviously getting Austin Theory at a later date. Nobody knows when. AJ Styles, Chad Gable. Absolutely no complaint out of me when you got Chad Gable and AJ Styles in the ring. This was a decent little match here. Filled about 10 minutes of TV time. AJ Styles wins. Chad Gable. Immediately, I think, when is Gable and Otis going to get what they deserve? Man, they are fucking great. They are great. How I feel about Sami Zayn, I feel the same way about Chad Gable, to be honest with you. He is fucking great. Easily, 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 one of the best things in the entire company is Chad Gable. And I love the tag team with Otis. I think they're fucking awesome. So, AJ Styles and Chad Gable had a decent little match here. Gable took control ahead of a little commercial break. And Styles, he went right into the steel steps. Styles was in control after the commercial break. Gable came back with German suplexes, three of them to be exact. Styles blocked a fourth attempt of a German suplex. Well, Gable caught him again and hit a release German. Gable then applied an ankle lock, but Styles countered into a calf crusher, and so Gable countered into an ankle lock. Styles slipped out. Gable immediately followed with a Northern Light suplex. They went back and forth a little bit until Styles seen an opening, got the Styles clash on Gable for the win, and that was basically it. No more, no less. Good match. Nine minutes. I guarantee you they go double that. They'll give you a damn good fucking match of the night classic. But this is nowhere near what these two guys are capable of. Nine minutes. I would have much rather see 18 minutes, 20 minutes between these two guys instead of the fucking rest of the shit that we got on this show. We got a Johnny Gargano and Miz segment coming up with Dexter Loomis that went way too long that I wish was cut in half so that AJ Styles and Chad Gable would have, would have been given more time. But our priorities are not straight on this show. Speaking of which, Johnny Gargano. He was giving Dexter Loomis tips on what to do with all of his money. The money The Miz gave him. Dexter had drawn some ideas on an ink board, which evolved uh, a couple of different things. New outfits. Candice LeRae says they already have everything they need, so maybe they should donate the money in the holiday season. <laughs> Come on, Candice, give me a break. Give me a break. Dexter Loomis, he's got to go out and buy some new cutlery, man. A couple of new axes, maybe some new knives, some scissors, maybe a sword. Maybe a sword, man. Maybe a sword like Michonne from The Walking Dead, huh? Come on, man. You're going to tell Dexter Loomis to not go out and spend his money? I'm sure that man could find plenty of things to spend his money on, bro. Kathy Kelly, she interviewed the Street Profits, who talked about coming to the defense of Akira Tozawa. Tozawa yelled, we want the smoke, and then started drinking from a red Solo cup. If you want absolute filler television, this is it. When Akira Tozawa starts making television in tag team matches against the Judgment Day, you know you're in for absolutely nothing of importance. Give me a break. Now, I get Akira Tozawa has been dressing as a ninja 
for the last several years because Bruce Pritchard had fucking some weird addiction to fucking ninjas. I don't know what the fucking inspiration with that was. Maybe he watched Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley and Chris Tucker. Or no, who was? It wasn't, it wasn't Chris Tucker. Who the fuck was in that movie alongside? That wasn't Chris Tucker. Who was that? that uh, that's that uh, star alongside Chris Farley in that movie. I love that movie, man. But what was his fucking, what was his, his deal with ninjas? I don't really get it. Chris Rock. Chris Rock was in the movie. There you go. Before anybody fucking blast me in the chat. It took me a little bit to Chris Rock, not Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker is uh, Rush Hour. Yes. He had a fucking, he had a, a, a weird fetish with ninjas. So WWE now expects me to take Akira Tozawa serious again because he dropped the ninja shit and now is back in his old ways. Who cares? It's going to take more than that, more than just teaming with the Street Profits in a tag team match against the Judgment Day. So, they went against the Judgment Day. This is Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and Dominic Mysterio. This went about, what, I don't know, 12 minutes or so. Nothing really important here at all. Heat was on Tozawa. He was being beaten down. He made... The hot tag to Montez Ford. But he was tackled over the announce table on the outside by Damian Priest. Judgment Day got heat again. Ford made a tag after he was beaten down to Angelo Dawkins. It was his turn to come do what he needed to do. Referee didn't see it, thanks to Priest. So Montez Ford did not make the tag. Referee didn't see it. He didn't administer the tag. And they kept beating down on Montez. Angelo Dawkins finally got the hot tag after Judgment Day continued to beat down on Montez. And he hit Finn Balor with a running back elbow. In Zaguri, he had his silencer, but Dominic Mysterio broke up the cover. Tozawa tagged in. He went right after Dominic. Everyone traded big moves until Damian Priest choke slammed Montez and then threw Dawkins over the top rope from the ring. Tozawa knocked Priest from the ring. He hit a decent-looking suicide dive on Dominic. Tozawa was handing out DDTs. He gave one to Valerie, gave one to Dominic. Referee was distracted again as Tozawa went to the top rope for his big senton. Damian Priest gave him a razor's edge, and Dominic made the cover for the pinfall. One, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Priest was uh, looking good in there. Crowd was somewhat into it with Montez and Street Profits. Other than that, this was a complete waste of time. How is anybody supposed to take this as anything but filler? Who cares? There's nothing on the line. What are they fighting over? It's just a random fucking 12-minute match to eat up television time. That's all that it was. And I am not particularly interested in anything that they have going on here. All the story is here is Tozawa got into an argument with people in the back after a fucking poker game, right? And now he's all of a sudden Mr. Big Shot, and now the Street Profits come out and save him from Judgment Day. That's all that it was. Last week, they saved him from Judgment Day. This week, we get a six-man tag. That means absolutely nothing. Boring. Johnny Gargano. He was with Dexter Loomis. And they were handing out gifts to the crowd. Walked out to the ring. Had a basket of merchandise or a wagon of merchandise. 
Gargano wished everyone happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. He was not dressed as Santa. Nobody was dressed in an elf costume. Nothing. He said they came into extra money. Dexter won a contract. And he and his wife returned to WWE after having their first baby named Quill. Baby wrestling. Gotta love that. They began throwing WWE merch to the fans in the crowd. And Graves made fun of the name of their baby, Quill, who names their son Quill. Said it'll be tough for that kid growing up. And Miz showed up to make things even worse here. He shoved Dexter into Gargano, who was standing around the announce desk. They were throwing T-shirts into the crowd. Johnny Gargano took out one of them blaster guns and started shooting T-shirts into the crowd. Miz showed up and stole the money and tried to run to the back with the money. The money that he gave Dexter Loomis. He wanted the money back because apparently the Miz is uh, hard up for money. So Adam Pierce walked out, cut Miz off before he ran to the back, ordered him to give Dexter Loomis his money back. So this segment was going to drag on and drag on and drag on. Gargano and Dexter are waiting in the ring. Adam Pierce gets into the ring. Miz gets into the ring. Gargano told Miz to give Dexter his money back. Miz asks for a mic. He says he is desperate to win his money back so much that he'd offer Dexter a rematch. Gargano whispered to Dexter. Dexter did not show any facial expression. Miz didn't like Gargano calling him Mike instead of the Miz. Gargano said Dexter will give him a chance to win his money back next week, but it will be in a ladder match where bags of money are hanging above the ring in what they are calling a double or nothing ladder match. Double or nothing ladder match. Miz says he doesn't have any cash to put up. Gargano says he's not buying that the Miz is broke. Miz says, yes, I'm rich, but not liquid. He says his wife controls their money. Miz told Gargano that his wife controls his money too. And Miz says he gets an allowance. Fans then chanted tiny balls at the Miz. Miz started yelling, I have big balls. I do not have tiny balls. I have huge, gigantic balls. Gargano told Miz to ask Maurice for an extension on his allowance. Miz says, yes, this, this actually happened, by the way. This actually happened. It's almost as if I'm reading you a fucking children's tale as I put your children to bed at the end of the evening. I don't believe what the fuck I'm watching. I don't believe I have to fucking cover this show tonight. Big balls, allowance. Jesus fucking Christ. Miz says, that's crazy. But we'll have to figure out a way to get the money. Gargano said one more thing. He says he needs Miz to help them give away the merchandise they have left while dressed as Santa's little elf. Pierce says he loved that idea. Gargano then wished Mike a Merry Christmas. So, after what should have been a conclusion to the storyline, after Dexter Loomis earned the contract and won money that Miz owed him, WWE is still continuing this storyline because they are desperate to fill out and round out the last three weeks of television before the end of the year. I absolutely loathe the end of the WWE calendar year. They don't give a fuck, and it shows. So if they don't give a fuck, why the fuck do we care? This was absolutely lame. The only redeeming thing about this segment was that Johnny Gargano was fucking great.
I just love the way he comes off. He's just a sarcastic, humorous guy. And Dexter Loomis, I will say this. The storyline with The Miz, it really fucking has devolved into, I I need to see it end. At first, I was like, oh, shit, this is interesting. They're both playing their parts right. Dexter Loomis, when he first arrived on the scene, it was intriguing. What's going on? They did a good job in the beginning, and then right now, it's at this point where it's just get off my TV television. But I do like that Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis are paired together. And the reason why I say that, you know, I was a big fan of Dexter Loomis as the serial killer and the fucking stalker and the creepy guy, right? Well, you can only take that gimmick and that character so far before it starts to get old. At least WWE could always go back to that at some point. Because that's, that's who he is, right? He's this creepy guy who likes to fucking talk through his paintings and he shows no facial expressions. But somehow, some way, he trusts Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. It's odd, yes, but I kind of I find it endearing, to be quite honest with you. Johnny Gargano is able to be who he is, and Dexter Loomis, by pairing him with Johnny Gargano and, la- and letting Johnny Gargano go out there and give gifts out there, it's a nice mix of, hey, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a babyface, this guy's showing some of his personality, and that is going to help Dexter Loomis get to where he needs to be as well if they just allow them to be who they are. Dexter Loomis would go nowhere. It would get very dull and boring if he was the serial killer fucking uh, stalker-type guy. There's only so far you could go with that. There's only so many stories you could tell with that. Him slightly feeling humanized alongside Johnny Gargano is going to make him look good. It's going to make him look better than he would be if he was on his own. So I actually quite like that. And where WWE has aligned trios together, when Champa comes back, I could absolutely see Champa join Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis because that is a fucking family. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa are legitimately best friends in real life. So I could see that being the next line of trio. We may end up getting DIY back in WWE when Tommaso Champa comes back, which is right now to me a part of the show that's sorely missed. So I don't mind that pairing. I don't. But this segment was fucking lame. A ladder match with Loomis and The Miz. When I see ladder matches, when I think ladder matches, I think creativity, I think intensity, I think physicality. The Miz has one of the worst offensive movesets in the history of pro wrestling. You're going to put him in a ladder match and expect him to take a fucking legit bump where I'm, oh my God, The Miz, right? I have a feeling this is going to be a fluff of a ladder match next week. And they're continuing the storyline because they have nothing else to tell you until we get to Royal Rumble season, which is legitimately the first Monday Night Raw of the new year. EO Sky and Candice LeRae. This went 10 minutes. I was absolutely bored, surprisingly, with this because if you guys want to go back to several takeovers ago, SummerSlam weekend, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae had one of the best NXT women's matches of all time under the black and gold banner, and it wasn't even for a championship, I don't think. They had a great one-on-one match. Legitimately takeover classic. This was nowhere even close to what they did. Crowd seemed indifferent. 
Nobody gives a fuck about damage control. Nobody cares about Candace LeRae. They piped in fucking overwhelming crowd noise when she came out like she was the fucking biggest star in the women's division. Lame. And I love both of these women. I do. Two minutes into the match, LeRae went to the top rope. We went to a commercial break. She's going up for the top rope. Big move off the top rope. They go to commercial break. I don't even know what the fuck she did. Come back from commercial break. Sky hit a cold breaker off the ropes. LeRae fought back. Tried to hit a poison Rana on the outside that absolutely looked terrible. Don't even know why you would execute a move like that on the outside. But here we are, and it looks sloppy. Sky followed in the ring with a German suplex into a pin, two count. Finish felt a little off because EO followed the German suplex by simply dragging Lorette to a corner, hitting a moonsault off the top rope, her signature finishing move, and wins clean one, two, three. Crowd was absolutely indifferent to everything that went on here. Lame. We need a serious, serious injection of fucking excitement in the women's division. On this whole show, not just the women's division. Kathy Kelly was backstage. She interviewed Kevin Owens. She asked Owens about the bloodline and what they did to Riddle last week. Owens began talking about how dangerous Solo Sokoa is. Elias walked in. He interrupted this promo with Kevin Owens. He said he had a big match with Solo Sokoa later, and he liked KO to be in his corner because Sami Zayn is going to be in Solo's corner. KO went on a tangent and brought back the fucking miserable time for months he had with Ezekiel. He went crazy given their history. You're asking me to be in your corner after what you did to me. No, 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 that was my brother. That was my brother, Ezekiel. It wasn't me. Now, you say, you're a, you, you, you say that you're Elias, but I don't really believe you, right? I don't know who the fuck you are. You say that your brother and you are separate people. I don't know what to believe. He went on and on and on and on. Kevin Owens is fucking a gem. A gem is Kevin Owens. KO didn't know what to fucking say to Elias. He turned and left. He stared at Elias again, comes back, stares at him, walks away again. So we get Elias... In the middle of the ring, he's got his guitar, his usual setup, strumming his guitar. He was going to have a Matt Riddle tribute concert as if this guy fucking passed on to the afterlife. It's almost as if he passed away. Having a tribute concert for Matt Riddle. He said he found lyrics Riddle had written specifically for this. He pulled out these lyrics written on a fucking piece of paper that was rolled up as if it was a blunt He unrolls the lyrics. Even when Riddle is not there, Bruce has to tell us that Matt Riddle loves to smoke the fucking weed. He loves to puff the magic dragon. Great. Bro, that's a new one, Bruce. Yes. Oh, my God. What a revelation that Matt Riddle loves his extracurricular activities. Fucking slob. First order of business when William Regal takes over as a vice president in the company Get rid of Bruce Pritchard. I already have the parade and the celebration planned when Bruce Pritchard inevitably is terminated. Can't wait. 
Elias, you're my bro. That was the hook of the song. Elias, you're my bro, or whatever the fuck he was talking about. It did not seem to resonate with his audience in Washington, D.C. Nothing did. Nothing did. But when he asked, what does WWE stand for? Walk with Elias. They were loud for that, which I don't really believe because we really couldn't see them. Everybody was in the dark, and I feel like WWE really pumped in the fucking fake crowd noise for that. Out comes Solo Sokoa to save us from this fucking drivel. Sammy's out there dancing. Love Sammy. And we got Solo Sokoa versus Elias, which went eight minutes. Who do you think won this match? You think Elias stood toe-to-toe with Solo Sokoa and beat one of the up-and-coming talents in the company, a member of the bloodline? Give me a break. Solo Sokoa beat this guy down and ate his guitar for lunch. Eight minutes this match went. Solo Sokoa gets the victory. Nothing really special here. Elias tried to hit Solo with some strikes. Stinger splashes, a spine buster for two. He followed with a, nift, uh, a lifting knee lift and a neck breaker. He did get some offense, but Elias, he got distracted by Sami Zayn. He was not really doing anything at all. He didn't really get involved. But Sami Zayn was acting like a fucking pest on the outside. So Sokoa dropped Elias on the top rope. Hit a super kick, spinning solo, and that was basically it. At the end of the match, Elias, uh, he was being beaten down by Solo. Sammy held Elias up. Solo delivered the Samoan spike to Elias, knocking him down right to the throat. Solo then put Elias' head in the chair. He was about to charge at him like he did to Matt Riddle last week, but Kevin Owens ran out and gave Solo a stunner. Owens then removed the chair from Elias' neck. Sammy and Solo escaped, and KO challenged them to come get him as he started wielding a chair. Sammy started yelling, another time, another time. This is now not the time we've proved our point to them. So Elias goes and tries to thank Kevin Owens, puts his hand on his shoulder. Kevin Owens turns around, gives Elias a stunner, and that's the way the segment goes off the air. I don't know. Now, a couple of things here. A couple of things of note that I took away from this. Number one, this match went eight minutes. Now, I'm not really expecting Elias to be completely jobbed out like uh, some fucking geek in two minutes. But the string of moves, I think think Solo should have at least took care of him in half the fucking time that these guys went. Elias should not be getting that much offense on Solo Sokoa. Elias is a jobber. This is the peak of Elias' career. He's never winning championships. He's never going to be featured in anything important. He's going to continue doing the same tired shtick that he's been doing for four or five years now. Nobody gives a fuck about Elias. This is it. This is the extent of his career. This is his high point in life. Elias is dead. Elias, at one point, was one of the hottest acts in all of pro wrestling, man. He was genuine until WWE took his shtick and fucking repeated it over and over and over and over again. There are only a few things in life that I love watching reruns on. One of them is not Elias. Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Married with children. Hercules, the legendary journeys with Kevin Sorbo. Anything Transformers back in the 1980s. And Family Guy. That's it. That's it. 
for television shows, excluding movies. Elias is not one of the things I want to watch reruns on. They dragged his fucking shtick into the goddamn ground. Seriously. How anybody can find this shit exciting, I don't know. The other thing I liked about this, and this is just very, you know, minor, but I take it as a big deal. WWE tends to have interferences happen or rescues or someone comes to the rescue, right? After a match is over to save somebody else. And normally their theme music goes off. It plays for like five seconds. It gets the crowd. Oh, my God. Yeah, Rey Mysterio's out there or, uh, you know, Randy Orton's out there. Whatever, whatever. Kevin Owens ran out to save Elias from further beatdown, wielding a steel chair, and his theme music did not go off. That's the way it should be. The reaction's more genuine. It's not overdone. It doesn't feel too produced, right? The fact that Kevin Owens came out without his theme music to go save Elias, I like that shit. I take that shit and I say, you know what? I appreciate that. I do. Now, probably next week, what we're going to get is Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. What do you think is going to happen? They're just trying to get you through the end of the year until we get to Royal Rumble season, and none of it is particularly interesting. But Kevin Owens, you could see the impact, and I've said this for days now. Weeks, actually. Kevin Owens doesn't need to wrestle to have an impact on the show. He didn't really wrestle tonight. He did two stunners. And that was basically it. He didn't wrestle a 20-minute match with Jey Uso. He didn't wrestle a fucking 20-minute tag team match while teaming with Matt Riddle. He was out there. He saved Elias, did two stunners, and before that, he cut a very hilarious promo against Elias. His impact can be felt in many different ways. You do not need to use him every single week because your show is lacking star power. Rest his body. Give him the time off that he needs to recuperate. He is going to be a major player in WWE going into WrestleMania season. We need to preserve that as best as possible. Rhea Ripley. She went one-on-one with Asuka. Well, I've never seen this match before. What a fucking fresh matchup this is, huh? First time ever Rhea Ripley and Asuka. 12 minutes. Had a decent little match here. Asuka, she was being beaten down. Ripley was in control after a small commercial break. After Ripley dropped to the floor, Asuka delivered a drop-down double knee to Ripley, knocked her out. Ripley was in control after a commercial break. Asuka hip-attacked Rhea Ripley off the ring apron. By the way, Asuka came out with no face paint on. Asuka came out with no face. It was actually quite jarring, to be quite honest with you. She looked great. Asuka's presentation was probably one of the biggest takeaways from tonight's show. She looked great. Now, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to Asuka's social media, but she's teasing her older character. She's teasing Kana from her days in Japan. Now, I don't know if WWE is going to go back and give us that on WWE television. I think that may be a little too overwhelming as far as presentation is concerned. But if this leads to Asuka having a renewed sense of fucking physicality, a fresh reset. Listen, I would take a new look for Asuka. I don't want it to be drastically different from what she's doing right now. Asuka doesn't need much. Asuka's over. Asuka looks great. Asuka's one of the best in-ring performers that they have in that division. Not much needs to be done about changing Asuka to get her back to where she needs to be. 
fans love her. They're into her. She's one of the more interesting aspects in that entire division on both Raw and SmackDown. Not much needs to be done. Very simple. Take her back to what she did in NXT. That is it. Asuka's got kind of soft. We got the dancing and the fucking, you know, craziness. Asuka needs to be a legit assassin. That's what we need from Asuka. But if they want to go back and give me some fucking elements of Kana, I don't want to, I don't want to see her go completely back to what she did in Japan, but maybe a mix of her look there, not drastically different from what we got now, maybe some elements of that mixed with the physicality that we know Asuka can do. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I thought she looked great tonight. Without the makeup, I thought she looked great. A stripped down, get your mind out of the gutter, uh, a very simplistic presentation of Asuka. Excellent job. So Dominic, he went to go check on Rhea Ripley on the outside. And she went for a spinning wheel kick, Asuka did, as she went to go out there and investigate. Like, what the fuck you doing, bro? Get out of here. Spinning wheel kick. Dominic fell backwards to avoid it. Rhea Ripley got up, tackled Asuka into the ring apron. Rhea Ripley then set up for the riptide. Moments later in the ring, Asuka shifted into a Asuka lock. Dominic put Rhea Ripley's foot on the bottom rope. Referee was a dumbass. He didn't see anything that was going on on the outside, even though he had a clear vantage point. So Dominic puts Rhea Ripley's boot, uh, boot on the bottom rope. He gets on the ring apron, starts yelling at the referee. Referee broke Asuka's hold. Dominic then taunted Asuka from the ring apron. She then spits green mist in his face, or is it blue? Blue mist in his face. Rhea Ripley shoved Asuka into Dominic and then landed a riptide for the one, two, three. Rhea Ripley was concerned about Dominic as he was uh, screaming. He couldn't see. He's blind. He's blind. I can't see. Some of this show, I wish. I was, I was the one who was spit in the eyes from Asuka, so I didn't have to see half of this fucking show. Decent little match. Rhea Ripley and Dominic still have great on-screen chemistry. Still one of the best things on Monday Night Raw is Rhea Ripley going right now. Uh, but a rematch with these two ladies, don't really care for it. Maybe when we get Asuka back built up, and there's something a little bit more prestigious on the line. Maybe this will mean something to me, possibly sometimes in 2023. Right now, it doesn't mean much of anything, and WWE just booked a rematch for the sake of booking a rematch. In the trainer's room, we got the continuation here from Dominic being blinded by Asuka. Dominic is on the table. They're putting eye drops in his eyes, giving him towels to wipe his face. Priest and Balor come in to check on him. He couldn't see. He's yelling he can't see. A medic gave him eye drops. Like I said, Dominic asked who that guy was and if he has a medical license. Priest said, listen, bro, you're tough. Rhea Ripley started yelling at the medic, help him, help him. That was basically it. He'll be fine. Mommy is going to take care of you, bro. You're better off than most. So, Dolph Ziggler. Oh, joy, Dolph Ziggler, man. How excited are you about Monday Night Raw to see Dolph Ziggler? They went over the uh, Austin Theory attitude change. He had an attitude uh, <laughs> adjustment. Get ready, it's coming. Theory's new serious side, and he was mocked after losing his money in the bank. Briefcase, cashing it in, the worst cashing of all time. They showed Dolph Ziggler interfering in this uh, match with Mustafa Ali last week. Ziggler stood backstage, talked about how the United States title means so much to him. 
He said, Theory doesn't know yet what it's like to put on a show and put a show on his back, and that will be his downfall. I think he's doing pretty damn well, bro. I don't, I don't know why anybody thinks Austin Theory is going to have a downfall. He told him to watch his back. So, the only thing here that I, I didn't really understand is that we got no Mustafa Ali. Now, I don't know if they strategically kept him off the show, but Ali was promised a title match against Austin Theory. Austin Theory gave him a title match like the champion that he is. Dolph Ziggler interfered in that match last week, and not one mention of Mustafa Ali and him getting his title match ruined last week by Dolph Ziggler was mentioned. We just move on to Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory with no mention of Mustafa Ali. Why? Am I supposed to forget that Ali was given a title match, but he had it taken away from him because Dolph Ziggler opted to come in and interfere, and then none of that was mentioned today? Who's writing this shit? Bruce? Don't tell me Bruce Pritchard is still writing the fucking show, man. Sounds like a Bruce fucking thing. That's a big logic gap right there, Bruce. Holy shit. You're, 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 you're big enough to fucking fill it up. Jump in it. Fill it up. Let me know what's going on. Not one mention of Mustafa Ali. It's great storytelling. They showed pics of Miz dressed as an elf posing with fans. I, at this point, I was done with this show. I couldn't wait for this show to be over. Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. This was a number one contender for the United States Championship against Austin Theory. I don't know when that match would happen. Probably it will happen before the end of the year. Decent little match here. I, I'm, I'm done with Rollins and Lashley in the ring together. I, I'm just over it. I'm over a lot, man. I'm just ready. I know you guys feel the same way. I'm ready to hit the reset button, bro. I really am. I want fresh matchups. I want fresh feuds. I want I want something new. I can't wait for the Royal Rumble. I can't. I can't wait for the Rumble. I can't wait for Rumble season. I just need to focus on the Royal Rumble. This is what happens when WWE doesn't have anything in between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. I'm hoping that they give us one big Big Monday Night Raw where we could get a lot of good matches and something that's really focused, like it's built like a pay-per-view. I don't know what they're doing, but these shows suck. I'm so over these matches, man. This is one of them that I'm over. Bobby Lashley looks great. Rollins has been on the best singles run of his career. Both guys have been tremendous, but I don't want to see them in the ring anymore together. It's not interesting to me at all anymore. Lashley dumped Rollins over the barricade. This was right at the top of the match, about two minutes in. Rollins fought back. He hit a high cross, dives, super kick, went for Falcon's arrow, nailed it, got a two count. Lashley takes him, drives him into the ring post. Rollins avoided a spear, hit a super kick for two, followed by a frog splash off the top. He goes for another cover, gets a two count. Lashley blocked a stomp. This was a cool-looking spot. Lashley was basically in a push-up position. So Rollins went for the stomp. He could not stomp Lashley, and Lashley used all of his upper back strength to lift Seth Rollins up and avoid the stomp. It's pretty cool-looking. He got up, hit a power slam. Rollins was in trouble. Lashley got the hurt lock. He slipped out, though. Referee fell out of the ring while trying to avoid a collision here. With the hurt lock applied on Rollins, Lashley hit a spear. Referee 
And him being uh, kind of uh, accidentally knocked out of the ring, took a couple of seconds to get him back in the ring. And he made a cover here. Rollins kicked out of a spear. Lashley argued with the referee. This is what really got Lashley angry again. So it was all part of the plan here. It was all uh, strategically done here to get heat on Bobby Lashley. Lashley argued with the ref, set up for another spear. Rollins counted that spear into a very ugly-looking pedigree for the one, two, three, and that was it. At least he won with the pedigree this time, and it wasn't done as a setup move, only for him to get a two-count. Rollins is the number one contender. Lashley got up, and he argued with the referee before shoving him down, and he accidentally elbowed a referee. This brought Adam Pearce out. He ran out and started yelling at Lashley. He warned him about this already. Lashley shoved Pierce into the barricade as Pierce was trying to talk to him. And they bleeped out something. And I don't know what exactly it was, but Adam Pierce was cursing at Bobby Lashley. Pierce was so pissed at Bobby Lashley that he said, You are fired. Lashley didn't understand what was going on. Lashley walked away, or Pierce rather walked away, and Lashley was like, What the? You're firing me? Fired? What the? What did you just say? How could you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And the show went off the air. That was the way Monday Night Raw went off the air. Kind of intrigued about where that goes. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I feel like we are getting Bobby Lashley to a point where he is possibly about to bring back the Hurt Business. Maybe we get Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander aligned with him again. Maybe we get something along the lines of Bobby Lashley being moved over to SmackDown. I don't know. Maybe this leads to another match with Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. I know there was a rumor going around that WWE may be doing a Hell in a Cell match at the Royal Rumble. You know, I pitched Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns would fit well in a Hell in a Cell. Edge and Finn Balor would fit well in a Hell in a Cell. Maybe we get Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley inside Hell in a Cell. Bobby Lashley wants to act like an animal. Let's put him in there with Brock Lesnar. Maybe that's the punishment. Maybe Adam Pearce, maybe Adam Pearce acted too swiftly here. You want to cause carnage. You want no rules. You want to do what you want. I'm going to put you in the ring with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble inside Hell in a Cell. We could see these two guys finish off their feud inside Hell in a Cell at the Royal Rumble. That's all I got. I don't know where else this goes. But Monday Night Raw, man, listen, it's not exciting. There's nothing interesting about this show. I don't want to make excuses for WWE. I don't want to make excuses for for Triple H. But there's nothing going on. I am very disinterested in what's going on on Monday Night. Friday is a completely different story. Friday is a completely different vibe for WWE. It's night and day. But I am realistically looking at Royal Rumble season Getting excited for it. I know it's going to be big. I know it's going to be special. We got to get through the end of the year. This is notoriously a dead period for WWE. The coldest they are all year. It shows in their numbers. It shows in their fucking lack of care. It shows in shows like mine and others in the community. Nobody cares. Everybody's in the fucking Christmas spirit. They're getting ready for the holidays. Nobody cares. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out. For WrestleMania season. I'm holding out for Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania where I do feel that Triple H is going to give us a WWE draft and things are going to be turned upside down and we are going to get a brand new WWE on both Raw 
and on SmackDown because this show desperately needs a roster shift. Absolutely needs a roster change. Again, I don't want to make excuses because what we're getting right now is bad, but it is the slowest time of the year. There's nothing on this show interesting outside of a couple of things here and there, and Royal Rumble season is coming up. But the more we get shows like this, the quicker I want Royal Rumble season to come. You can tell that they don't want to book a three-hour show, and they're trying to book a three-hour show like a two-hour show, and it's just not working because the flow of the show is just dull, tiresome, and boring. And people are losing interest quickly. Shit needs to change and fast. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for you right here on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed what I have brought to the table today. We had a lot going on. And let me know what you guys think in the super chats. Get them on in. Let me know what you think in the comments section in the live stream chat. If you appreciated the post show tonight, I'd appreciate you giving me a thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up. Would greatly appreciate it as it helps me out tremendously. And I'd appreciate you guys checking out my sponsor for tonight's show, Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music. Yes, it is. And whoever wrote that, man, give me a break, man. Come on. It's definitely too early. You start hearing Halloween. You start hearing fucking uh, Christmas music during Halloween. No. It's never too early to start thinking about gifts, okay? Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants. You can make this season a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Your little drummer boy down there, man, do him a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. And you got Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products, and you're going to have people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, so why not care about yours? Manscaped.com. Free shipping and 20% off when you use code SCRIPT20. Now, the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0, man, it's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all this holiday season. It has everything you need to help get you back on track this season, to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling Performance Package plus the Ultra Premium Body Wash, the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and the Ultra Premium Deodorant. Plus, you got the usuals, man, the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, both with skin-safe technology, and they are waterproof. Also, it has a 4,000K LED light, so you can light the way like Rudolph on Christmas Day. Also, they got the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver and the Platinum Package 4.0. Sitting under your tree is a guarantee to put anybody in the holiday spirit. Plus, they got the new Body Buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old loofah that you may be using. And I got the Body Buffer, man, and I, I think it's great. I lo- The Body Buffer is one of the best things that I've purchased from Manscaped. Love it. 20% off. Free shipping, code script 20 at checkout at manscaped.com. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Let's get into the super chats, guys. First of all, let me take a sip of my cold beverage, bro. Oh, yeah. 
Let's start at the top. Tyler. He's got two 199 Super Chats. Much love, JD. How do you feel about Michael Mansbury joining AEW? Michael Mansbury joining AEW to me is one of the biggest signings that Tony Khan has done all year. This, is, this was legitimately the guy that was going to take Kevin Dunn's spot in WWE. Just imagine that. Everything that Kevin Dunn does for WWE, everything that Kevin Dunn does for WWE, Michael Mansbury is going to be doing for AEW. I hope the show changes and we get quality of life changes in AEW that are better presented on television. Where it doesn't feel so rushed anymore. Things flow a little bit better. The video packages here and there. It's a very exciting signing for AEW, and I'm very excited to see where they go with that. Sidro! Actually, before I play the music, Sidro's got jokes. Sidro's got jokes here. Let's see. No wrestling event is ever sold out. They always have a couple of extra seats under the ring. Jesse. Thumbs down, right? Thumbs down. Sidra, come on, bro. What is that, bro? What's the difference between a WWE wrestler and a soccer player? A WWE wrestler will get up after faking an injury. That's a crowd. That's a tough crowd tonight, Sidra. I don't, I don't know what's going on, bro. Take it easy on him, guys. Holy shit. My friend used to be addicted to mud wrestling. He's now six months months clean. There you go. There's some crickets in there, but that was better than the other two, right? Yeah, yeah. A tough crowd tonight, Cedro. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, man. Thank you for the $15 in Super Chat, man. I appreciate you very much. Our resident comedian, Cedro. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Nothing more painful than Raw on autopilot. I 100% agree with you, Michelle. Come on, guys, man. Everybody has an off night every now and then. Shane Brown with a new membership. Oh, my goodness, Shane. What are you drinking tonight to celebrate a new membership, bro? The Jay Caleb Show with a $10 Super Chat. The Gargano Ms. Loomis segment had to be one of the worst of the year. I wouldn't go that far, bro. I wouldn't go that far, man. Was it bad? Sure. But I quite enjoy Johnny Gargano, so I'll give it a uh, mid. Noah Driscoll with a two-month membership. Thank you, brother. What are you celebrating with? What's up, JD? Another snooze fest of a show tonight. 
was why do you think Raw has been so hard to watch lately? Is it Triple H or something bigger? Uh, Noah, I talked about this, man. It, this is the coldest time of the year for WWE, not just in weather, but in creative. There's a long stretch between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, so there are going to be duds in there. Until we get to closer to the Royal Rumble, it's going to be like this, bro. As soon as we get, as soon as we get to the Rumble, things are going to fucking flip like that. Believe me. 248 Radio with the four months. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking to celebrate four months tonight? Four months in and I still got your back. Shout out to you and all the VIPs. Also, would love to have a Slurpee machine in the venue. Bro, Slurpee machines don't belong in the venue, bro. This is a classy establishment. Okay? And there will be no such thing in my mother's basement either. MGM balling with our 13 months. Wow, Raw sucked tonight. This show needs Cody back. Now, yes. They do. Cody is sorely missed. Thank you for 13 months, brother. What are you drinking? VIPs for 13 months is MGM balling. Wow. The Visionary with four months. Hey, J.D., I've been gone for a little bit. I recently lost a friend, but I'm back now and ready to sit back and relax at the OTS venue. Visionary, we are happy to have you here, brother. And thank you for four months, man. Thank you for not forgetting about us. We will be here for you, man. Thoughts and prayers to you. Nick Williams, my boy Nick Williams with a fight out of Jack. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Can you think it's Triple H's WWE in 2023 is going to be a banger? Yeah. I think Triple H is going to have a banger year next year, man. Golden Boy with a 14-month VIP membership. Thank you, Golden Boy. I want to say thank you, JD, for all that you do. You are the GOAT. And there's no other family like the OTS family. Raise your drinks, everyone, and be proud. Cheers. Golden Boy. Cheers, brother. Not today, Jay, with a 999 Super Chat. I feel like they, I feel like if they would just get rid of Bruce Pritchard, which he may get fired when Regal comes in, if they get rid of him, some of these shows might be better. Bro, I heard Bruce is basically non-existent. From what I was told. Bruce is basically ignored backstage, and none of his ideas really are, none of his ideas are really taken into consideration at all. NC07 with three months. Thank you, man. Best show, Goon Squad. What are you drinking after three months, bro? Ryan Waldridge. $2 super job. What are your thoughts on Regal coming back as VP? I love it. I love it. It's a huge W for Triple H. DGK Dog with a 999. I could see Sasha Banks requesting to be the highest paid woman in WWE. While WWE might not... Be willing to pay her more than Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda, who are the top three highest paid women. Well, you're probably looking at Ronda and Becky, number one and number two, for sure. And Charlotte probably got to be up there as number three. If WWE doesn't want to pay Sasha Banks what Ronda Rousey's worth, I'd walk to, to be perfectly honest with you. Ronda sucks. Meanwhile, Sasha Banks is everything that division should be, really. 
And Ronda is everything the division is not. M. James 2000 with a $20 super chat. Would love to see Money in the Bank come to Mania, but it doesn't look like it as of now. Triple H said in the last press conference, he sees Elimination Chamber and Money in the Bank as pay-per-views still. Would love to see someone like Champa or L.A. Knight win it. Bro, we are months away still. A creative decision could be made. They don't know what the fuck they're going to do next month. Never mind in June or July when Money in the Bank happens. I do think that we get Money in the Bank in some form or fashion at WrestleMania, and I do think we get King of the Ring back in the middle of the summer. Jaxo, 23 with 10, 10 and 10. This women's division is irrelevant. This show sucks. And I muted the entire show and this show sucks and Kevin Patrick puts me to sleep. Tell us how you really feel, Jaxo. Thank you, brother, for the 30. Nick Williams with the $2 Super Chat. Will you go live when Bruce Pritchard gets fired? Uh, probably not, bro. It, it'll be... Uh, It'll be a waste of my time. I'll probably do a quick Twitter video or something celebrating. My boy, Bory got skills with a $25 super chat. Thank you, brother. Hope you are well. I know you're not into the holiday stuff, but happy holidays to you and the whole OTS family. Is it me or does Bailey seem unhappy in her current role? Could Sasha not being there have something to do with that? Uh, you know, Bory, it's so funny you said that. I was legitimately thinking that as I was watching Bailey fucking fumble around out there while she was trying to get on headset for the EO and Candice LeRae match. I, I, I don't, for some reason, I don't want to start a, a rumor or conspiracy. I, I do not think Bailey is happy. I don't. I think what she's been given is dog shit. I think the direction of damage control sucks. And I do think that it, you know, could have something to do a little bit with Sasha not coming back. It's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. The heart of Bailey might not be in it. Captain Solo with 17 months. Do you think WWE fans are just not into women's wrestling anymore and they need to book less of it? Or is it the creative being just bad? Uh, I don't know, bro. There were three women's matches on this show tonight. I think that's a little too much. I think we need to scale that back. It's not to a point where we want to see three women's matches on the show. It's not exciting. The division is ice cold right now. That doesn't mean we need to see more of it. It's definitely the creative. Get the creative right, and then maybe we'll see three matches as, yeah, I like that. They barely deserve one, to be quite honest with you. Joseph Taylor with $2 Super Chat. Elias, best match. Seth, Money in the Bank, 2018. Yes. Absolutely. It's funny you remember that, bro. I don't remember any of that. Furious Nation with a 499. What's up, JD? After hearing earlier today with William Regal returning to WWE in a higher role, do you think Bruce's days are numbered? I hope so, man. Yes, I do. Bruce is a dead man walking, bro. It's only a matter of time. Richard with a five-month... VIP, maybe Pierce is fired for his upcoming replacement in William Regal after firing Lashley. I don't think so, bro. William Regal's not going to be being—he's not going to be appearing on television for at least a year. That's going to be in his release contract request from AEW. 
AEW's got a serious non-compete there for William Regal, and he will not be on TV for about a year. Captain Solo with a $2 super chat. Are you a fan of the band Dragon Force? Absolutely. If I could, I'd play Dragon Force on the show. I don't want to be fucking copyright striked out the S. There are about 10 or so Dragon Force songs I'd love to have as anthems for this show. Furious Nation with a 499 Super Chat. Also, my grandpa is currently in the hospital with a thyroid problem. Fortunately, not cancer, though. Well, thank God for that, bro. Thoughts and prayers to your grandpa, for sure. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. Did you ever like Two and a Half Men? No, I thought I, I, I thought the show sucked. I, hate, I hated that show. I never found it to be funny. And Fiorius Nation with a 499 with the Royal Rumble coming up. Who can you see as surprise entrance? I'm thinking Bronson Reed, Chelsea Green, Tyler Breeze as three of them. Uh, I could see Deanna Perrazzo as well in that, bro. You named a couple of people that I do think. Matt Cardona, maybe. Uh, outside of surprises, man, I don't think we're going to get a lot of surprises for the Royal Rumble. I think Triple H is really set with what he's got on the rosters right now. And I do think that uh, we may get one or two, but it's not going to be something where it's going to be five or six people coming back. We may see we may see some NXT inclusion in that. I think Bronson Reed is definitely a possibility for sure. Hollywood guy with a five dollar super chat. I like the hint that Oscar is changing, but I was expecting the Kana murder clown. Uh, bro, I don't know why we would be expecting the Kana murder clown. I, I think that's going to be a little too overwhelming for WWE's audience. Just like the Viking Raiders with Valhalla on SmackDown, I think it's a little too much. Less is more sometimes, bro. There's nothing wrong with mixing some of what she's got going on now with some of what she used to do. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here, man. I really appreciate all the support tonight. Thank you so much. We had 2,400 people in the venue tonight. Awesome. For a shit Monday Night Raw, that's a decent turnout. I'll take it. I'll be back tomorrow with an extra... We'll be back live on Wednesday with AEW. Jesse and I talking about that big winter is coming. AEW Dynamite. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down in the description below. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We need a thousand likes minimum. Go check out all the other content on the channel. And please. Support Manscaped, my sponsor for tonight's show, manscaped.com this holiday season. Manscaped.com, script 20, 20% off and free shipping. Guys, I need that music on max. As I get the hell out of here, I'm about to hop on Destiny 2 and enjoy a nice cold beverage. I will see you guys tomorrow and then Wednesday back live in the venue with my PC back in the venue right here for Dynamite on Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.